praise the Lord. I was thinking as he was singing that, speaking about gathering flowers for the master's bouquet. Now, you know what he's speaking about there. He's speaking of leading people to the Lord, amen, so that they can go to heaven and uh, be a part of that glorious place that uh, all those that are saved will be able to go to. And we look forward to that ourselves. And so uh, let's make sure that we're gathering flowers, amen, or putting jewels in the Lord's crown. If you have the word of God with you today, I'm going to ask you to take it and turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And I apologize, I do not have my mic on this morning. So I'm going to stay around the microphone here as much as I can. If I do move away from it, I'll try to speak a little louder for you. And so again, I apologize about that. Genesis chapter 6 this morning. When you find your place, if you would please stand as we begin reading the word of the Lord. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 6 of Genesis, the word of God states, And it came to pass, when the men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, men which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing, the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Now, Heavenly Fathers, we come before your blessed throne of grace. Again, we thank you for the day that you've given unto us, the sweet blessings that you have placed in our lives, most of all, Father, salvation. And I ask now, Lord, that you might take these thoughts, Lord, that you would undergird me and strengthen me, Lord. Father, help me to bring forth this lesson, Lord, and bind the hands of Satan and cast him away from this place. Lord, build a hedge about this place so that the devil can never enter in. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory for these things we ask in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. All right, you may be seated this morning. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject of Noah found grace. Noah found grace. And as we think about that word grace there, we're going to get into that here in just a few moments and speak about several things in it. Uh, Grace actually has been mentioned in the Word of God 170 times. When you find the word grace here in Genesis chapter 6, it is the first time that grace has actually been mentioned uh, in the Word of God. And then from there on, there's 169 more times that grace is mentioned. Uh, We'll find it in Psalms. We'll find it in Proverbs. We find it also in Luke's Gospel, in John's Gospel, in Romans. We find it uh, several times. In the book of Ephesians, we find it there several times. In James, we find it there. And then also in 1 Peter, we find the word grace mentioned unto each and every one of us. And so grace is something that is quite important to us. And I hope and pray that uh, when we get through this lesson uh, today that you'll be able to understand the word grace and not not only understand the word grace, but understand what grace actually is and how it is applied to our lives by our Holy Father today. Um, there is a setting, it was in a small country uh, community, and it was a very small community. Uh, The only church in town was a small Baptist church, and the pastor of that church, he also uh, was uh, the local barber, and uh, he did this to be able to make his ends meet. Uh, There happened to be uh, uh, this man uh, that had just come to the community, 
and he had invested wisely and had lots of money. He was very wealthy, and uh, this man decided that since he had this newfound comfort that he didn't have to get up in the mornings and shave himself, and so he decided, well, I'm going to go to the barber in town, and and I'm going to uh, just let the barber uh, do the shaving for me. And I'll, I'll just go down there every single day and let the barber do my shaving. And so he goes down to the barber, and he walks in, and the lady who is there, she asks him, what uh, would you like to have? And he said, well, I'd like to see the barber and, and get a shave. And she said, well, the barber is not in right now. He's actually out making visits because he is also the pastor in our Baptist church. But she said, I can save, uh, shave you, rather. I can do this, and, and we'll take care of that. So he said, okay, uh, I want to do this every day now. And she said, that's okay. And so he sat down the chair, and she very delicately uh, shaved this man and took care of him. And uh, when she got done, he got up and said, now, how much is that? And she said, $25. And he thought to himself, well, that sounds awful high for a shave, $25, but he it felt good. He felt smooth on his face, and so he said, I'm going to give her the $25, and gave it to her and said to her, said, uh, said, I'll be back tomorrow for my shave. She said, well, she said, it may be that you may not need to come back tomorrow. So he said, well, it is kind of smooth. Maybe I'll just wait two days and come back then. And so the next day, the man uh, gets up in the morning, and he looks in the mirror, and he feels his face, and all of a sudden, he feels his face, and it's just as smooth as the day before when she shaved it. And so he says, well, I guess I don't need to go down there today. I'll go back tomorrow. And so the second day, he gets up, and he feels his face, and it's very smooth, and, and he doesn't need to shave that day, and... He uh, decides, well, I'll just go back tomorrow. And so the third day comes, and he gets up in the morning, and he feels his face, and, and he says, you know, this face is so smooth. I don't know what that lady did, but I, I'm just going to wait, and I'll go back two days later. And so now this is the fourth morning, basically, that he feels his face, and he gets up, and he says, well, you know, I, my face is just as smooth today as it has been since the very first day that she shaved me. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to ask them what they do to make that so smooth like that. And so he goes down to the barber shop and as he walks in, the barber is there. And he says, well, what can I do for you, sir? And he says, well, I wanted to come in and get a shave, but I came in here about five or six days ago and you weren't here, but your wife was here and uh, she shaved me, and since then, I haven't needed a shave. He said, what is it about this? He said, well, my wife's name is Grace, and once shaved, always shaved. <laughs> if you didn't get that now, you'll get it on your way home. <laughs> All right, as we look into the Word of God today, uh, again, Genesis chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through 8. Noah found grace, amen. And as we think about grace, grace is a very important factor in our lives. Uh, today's message really is not about the flood. It's not about the ark, and it's not really about uh, the things that had to do with the ark. But there are some interesting facts about the ark that I want to point out to you today before we actually get into the message. First of all, most of you know this from the story. Uh, it had never rained before the flood. Uh, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 6, the word of God tells us there, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So the dew, basically, or the mist that came up uh, from the ground is what watered the uh, land of that day. It did not rain. The ark itself was 450 feet long. It was 75 feet wide. It was 45 feet high. And the total deck space of the ark was... 97,700 square feet. That's equivalent to 20 standard college basketball courts. It was the largest ship ever built until 1884. It was nearly one half the length of the Queen Mary. And the ark had more carrying space than 520 rail cars. The ark is one of the unanswered wonders of all time. 
Most men forget to take it into consideration that God was the architect of the ark and that will answer all questions. So they ask, they wonder, how could this great feat have been done? Well, it was done because God is the architect and God led many people here in Noah's family to work on this and to get it taken care of. Over in verse 8 of chapter 6 that we read earlier, the Bible tells us there that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, this was because of man's wickedness that God had grown very angry with the human race. He was wanting to destroy the human race. He wanted to, to completely wipe them off the face of the earth and start again because they had gotten so wicked in so short of time. Now, let me ask you this question today, and we're going to try to answer it today. But what is grace? What is grace? Now, I know I said a while ago in my story that grace was the lady's name that shaved this man. But grace is more than just a name. My wife, her aunt, her name is Grace. No, she was not the barber's wife. But anyway, uh, Grace is more than just a name. So what then is Grace? Well, uh, this is the first mention of Grace in the Word of God, as I mentioned earlier. The definition of Grace actually could be uh, stated, the free merited unfavor, or rather favor, of God. And that simply means uh, gratis or free in the Greek. It means free, something that you've not had to work for. The application of Christ's righteousness to the sinner, if you will. It is what Christ applies and how he applies his righteousness into each and every one of our lives. It's a state of reconciliation unto God. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 24, the word of God says, "...being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus." He says freely here. That is something that God denotes unto us that is granted uh, without anything done on our part. So in other words, when God saves us by his grace, he saves us by all those things that were not on our part, but everything that was on his part. We're saved by grace. We find it's clearly evident that if all men, that means sinful and, and those that are sinning now, those that uh, could be justified of all these things, they could be free of this stuff if they would just accept Jesus Christ's free gift of grace. In Job chapter 14 and verse 1, he tells us there that man is born of a woman uh, is a few days and full of trouble. Therefore, every person has the capability of making himself unrighteous, but God has the capability of making every man, every woman, every boy and every girl righteous today. Now, the law, uh, the first mention of the law, we find the first time a word or doctrine is mentioned in Scripture carries with it uh, meaning, and that will be carried all through the Word of God. So when the Word of God mentions grace, it's the first time there in the book of Genesis, and the first time it makes mention of it, it carries a great deal of power or force with it. 170 different times it's mentioned all throughout the Word of God, and if it's mentioned that many times, it means it's very important for us to understand what grace actually is. And so as we continue to look at that then, I go back to my question then, what is grace? God had condemned all the world because of the wickedness. We read about that there in verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of his thoughts uh, and his heart was only evil continually. Every single thing that man thought of that day from his heart, it was evil. And not only was it just on each day that, that passed by, but it was a continual thing. It was wickedness in his mind from sun up to sun down. Even while he was sleeping, wickedness was in his thoughts. <coughs> Excuse me. A lot of people have trouble understanding what grace is. Many get law and grace kind of intermingled or intertwined. And law is totally different than grace. And grace is totally different than uh, what we would find in the law. <coughs> Excuse me. Present day religion, if you look at it from a religious standpoint, it's a mixture of law and grace. Although they cannot be mixed any more than you can mix oil and water. 
And the reason for that is when you introduce law, you do away with grace. And when you introduce uh, grace, you actually do away with the law. The law does not save any person. Grace is the only thing that brings salvation to that heart. Law is a system that has been instituted by God. He did that on Mount Sinai. We talked about that here a few Sundays ago. He did this. Uh, he is the mediator. Uh, it is the law of the covenant, and that covenant is the legal system that all laws basically in our world are built upon. Grace, on the other hand, is an expression of God's kindness and favor under the new covenant that Jesus Christ is our mediator. And so law and grace are totally different. Grace is a, a divine help for the helpless, if you will, apart from any and all human effort. Nothing you have ever done or that you can do today is, uh, will help to give you salvation, only the grace of God. Grace means everything for nothing. All the four sinner needs for eternity is bestowed upon him by God. And God gives that gift through grace. All the blessings you and I receive, the future home in heaven, uh, the bountiful blessedness of the Father's mansion that we'll have one day when we stand in ours in heaven, all these things are unmerited gifts that God gives us through his grace. The law, it reveals the heart of man, but grace reveals the heart of God and his love. Law shows how crooked we are. But grace makes us, makes us straight. Law reveals the dirt, but grace makes us clean. We find that, <coughs> I apologize, uh, this is, was a, uh, taken from a commentary uh, written by William Newell, and this was his commentary on the book of Romans, and he says this about grace. He says, grace does not help, it does it all. It is absolute. Man under grace is not on probation as uh, to his life past. It does not exist before God. He died at the cross and Christ is his life. And so grace is not something that helps us to be saved. Grace is absolute and completely saves us. When a believer uh, sins, uh, when a believer does these things wrong, whether they're knowing or whether they're unknowingly, grace is not withdrawn. Do you know that today when you sin that grace is not withdrawn from your life? If you are a child of God today and you sin, God does not say, okay, I quit saving you. I quit putting grace, applying to your life. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to put grace in your life anymore. I'm just going to take this away from you. That's not what God does, is it? If when we sin today, grace is still applied and God still allows that grace to speak to each and every one of us and cleanse us and purify us of our sins. Praise God for that. Grace not only saves us, but grace keeps us saved as well. So that is one reason, dear friend, why that when you're saved, you will not lose your salvation. If you truly accept Jesus Christ in your heart, you truly get saved, you will not lose that salvation because of grace itself. God gives us that, that unmerited thing unto us, that unmerited favor, that, that blessing to us, and we need that wholeheartedly. Thank you, sister. All that we have today in God, everything that we are today, everything that this church has attained, everything that this church could ever attain, everything that you could attain as a child of God is all because of grace. When you stop and think about it then, we owe a lot of debt and gratitude to God for grace then, don't we? Because it's all of grace. We think about a believer, their sins, and the things that God has blessed us with and forgiven us of, to hope to be better, wow, we can hope to be better all we want to, but unless we have grace, we can never become better. If we just only hope to be better, then we fail to see ourselves in Christ only. To be disappointed with ourselves is to have believed in yourself. 
And one day there will be people standing there at the, the altar of God in heaven. And when God tells them to depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I know you not. When God does that, these people have believed in themselves. They believed in something that they could do, something that they could accomplish, and something possibly that they had already done. They believed in these things to get them to heaven. And the only place in heaven it will get them to is to stand before God in that judgment and hear God say, depart from me, for I know you not. I think that's probably some of the saddest words that you and I could ever hear is for God to tell us to depart. To be discouraged in unbelief, well, that's as uh, to God's purpose and plan of blessing for you. Sometimes people become proud and because they're proud they become very blind. We have no standing before God in ourselves, you see. Our only standing before God is the standing that Jesus Christ placed in our lives. You see, when we stand before God, if God sees us, then he's going to say, depart from me. But if when we stand before God and God sees the blood of Jesus Christ, that he has been applied to our lives, God says, welcome in, welcome in. Now, wouldn't you want to hear welcome than depart? I mean, <clears throat> when I go knock on people's doors and I visit with them, I like to be welcomed in. They open the door and they say, come on, preacher, come on in. I don't want to hear that word. Get off my doorstep there, preacher, and run on. I don't want to hear anything you've got to say. Well, when we get to heaven, you want to hear the same thing too, don't you? You don't want to hear God tell you, get off my doorstep. I have nothing to do with you because I do not know you. Your name is not written in my, in my book. You want to hear him say, well, come on in. Come on in. Sit down a little bit. Let's talk a little while. I'm just putting it in country terms here. Well, again, all we have is due to God and His grace. We find that the grace of God is not limited today. It's not limited to the, the sins that we've done in the, the past, the present, or the future. It covers all those sins. The riches of His grace is talked about in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 where He says, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of of His grace. His grace is so powerful, it's so wealthy, if you will. In fact, it's so wealthy that He is abounding in grace. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 15, He says there, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So His grace is so, so strong and so powerful and so wealthy that it's not just covering one person. There's enough grace there to cover all peoples of all times. That's why Christ came to save all. And it's His will that all should come into repentance and be saved because His grace is just that wealthy or that rich or that righteous. So that's what grace is. Well, let's go back to our story today. Remember what the Word of God said about Noah? God said that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So how did Noah do that? How did Noah find grace? How, how can we do the same thing? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7 tells us exactly how Noah found grace. In that verse it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet... Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So how did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? He had faith. He had faith. So the first step that you and I take in grace coming into our lives is by faith. We know that God tells us when we get saved, the first thing that must happen
into your life. That's how Noah found grace. Grace was found by his faith. And by the way, it always comes by faith. Uh, when we read that phrase, uh, it's not implying that Noah stumbled onto grace. Not that he just was walking one day and grace was laying on the ground and he reached down and picked it up. It, it implies the fact that because of his faith in God, because of his faith in the Word of God, and even at that moment in time, you say, preacher, was there that much of the Word of God? Yes, God still spoke audibly to people in that day. And so the word of God was heard and God would speak to Noah. And as he spoke to Noah, Noah believed him and trusted him. Remember what it said there in Hebrews? Hebrews said that, uh, that he was warned of God. And as he was warned of God, he was told to build this ark. Noah didn't know what an ark was. They had never seen a boat. Why had they never seen a boat? Because they had never seen water rain from the sky. Never been anything like that. So we, when we read this phrase then, the, the grace of God then bringeth salvation and it hath appeared to all men. In other words, there is no one on this earth right now that could really tell you that I can't be saved because I've never heard the word of God. That's false. Even though there are people in countries right now that uh, they may not have a Bible, maybe there's not been a missionary to them, in some form or fashion, God reveals himself to all men. It has appeared unto all men the grace of God has. Every single one. Noah did as every other recipient of grace had done. He believed God and it was counted unto him for his righteousness. That faith starts with believing what God says. Let me ask you this question today, friends. Do you believe God? Do you believe what God has said in his word? And you must begin to start believing that before you can have faith in it to accept him in salvation then. You have to believe what God says is the truth. The reason there are so many lost people in our world today and say they don't trust the Bible or they don't trust churches is because they don't believe the word of God. And if they do not believe the word of God, they do not have faith in it. And if they do not have faith in it, then they cannot be saved. And they will die and go to hell. And that's what God says. Unless they accept Jesus Christ. Grace is available to all who will believe. Noah is not a recipient of God's grace because uh, he was a good family name or man. Uh, Noah did not find grace because he was just such a good person. And I think sometimes preachers try to make us believe that the reason that Noah found grace was because he was a good man. Listen, dear friend, Noah might have been a good man, but that's not why God uh, allowed him to be able to find grace. He allowed him to find grace because Noah had faith. He believed in these things. Noah did not find grace because he was necessarily even worthy of God's grace. Because none of us are really worthy of the grace of God, are we? There's none righteous, no, not one, the Bible tells us. Over in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, the word of God says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Grace then is given to every believer, even to those believers that are unwarranted. You may not be a recipient of grace today, even though that uh, it's been made available to you. Now why is that? It is because you've not reached out and taken a hold of that belief system or that faith that God wants you to have. So this is how Noah found grace. He found it through his faith, through that belief. Now, why is grace necessary for us to go to heaven? Why was grace necessary for, for Noah that day and his family to be, to be rescued, if you will, to be rescued from the flood and his family then to start the rest of creation as it moved on? Why? Well, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says this. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Grace had to be there because there was so wicked uh, of a generation of people that God had created. And that every imagination of their thoughts and his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord. Now, you know what that means? God was very unhappy about the fact that he had created mankind now why did God create mankind to begin with God created mankind to begin with because 
he wanted man to fellowship with him. Remember in the Garden of Eden, the Bible talks to us that Adam walked with God and God walked with him and Eve and he did that on a daily basis. I still love that old song that says, and he walked with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. Amen? And that's what God did there in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve until they were cast out of the garden because of their sin. And so if you will think about the fact that if you're evil then and only your thoughts are evil, why would God who is righteous, who has never sinned, who cannot sin, who cannot tell a lie, who all things are possible with God and nothing is impossible with Him, if all these things are true about God, then why would God want to walk with someone who's evil? He wouldn't. But yet He created them, didn't He? And so God says it repented Him. He wished He had never made them. He wished He had never created man at all. Because He had created man to fellowship with Him and now man cannot fellowship with him because of their sin. And imagine this, out of all the thousands of people that were on the earth of that day, and I can't tell you how many people there were, but the earth had already began to be populated by this time. And I don't know about you, but to think about the fact that if God had created all these people and they're on the earth now, thousands and thousands and thousands of people on the earth, that out of of all those people, the only ones that he was able to save because of their faith, because that God found grace in them, was his family. And note this too. God never said that he found grace in the eyes of his family, does he? He said that God found grace in the eyes of Noah, and only Noah. But because of Noah's faith, because of, of the grace that was applied there, God saved his family as well. That means today that if you are in a family that is lost and, and you get saved and that grace is applied in your life, then God at some time, at some point, will come into that family and bring salvation in that same family as well, as long as that family would be a recipient and believe and trust. think that God loves us so much God loves us so much that he would save one so that that one could pass along that word to others a brother shared a song this morning about flowers in the master's bouquet well as we put flowers in the master's bouquet that same thing applies to us and our families as as our family is there and one gets saved and, and we go home and we tell everybody about that salvation. We're so excited about that salvation. And then our brother gets saved and then our sister gets saved and maybe mom and dad get saved if they're lost. And maybe grandpa and grandma get saved. I had the great privilege of leading my, my grandmother to the Lord. She was 73 years old when I had the opportunity to lead her to the Lord. And what a great sweet blessing it was when I knelt there beside her chair in my parents' house. My grandmother had cancer, and cancer of the bladder, and, and, and she was in kind of a bad way. And I had witnessed to her and my grandfather many times over since I had been saved. And I knelt beside her chair that day, and I said, Grandma, I know that one of these days God's going to take you home, but I want to make sure that you're going home to the same home I'm going to. I want to make sure that you're going to heaven. And I asked Grandma one more time. I said, Grandma, are you saved? And Grandma said to me the very same thing she had said before. Well, I think so. I hope so. And I told her, I said, Grandma, you don't have to think you're saved. You don't have to hope you're saved. You can truly be saved. And Grandma said, how? And I opened up the Word of God, and I began to show her. And tears began to well up in my grandmother's eyes right in the corner there by the nose, by the tear ducts. And I asked Grandma, I said, Grandma, I said, are you saved? And Grandma said, according to the word of God that you just read me, I am not. And I asked Grandma, I said, Grandma, I said, would you like to be saved? Would you like to know for sure you're going to go to heaven? And Grandma said, yes, I would. And so I led my grandmother in the sinner's prayer, and Grandma was saved right then and there. What a precious God we have. You know, 
I was 15 and a half years old when I got saved. And I praise God every single day for that. There's not a sweeter blessing that God ever gave me in my life than my salvation. And it means more to me today than it ever has, dear friend. And I know today that because of grace, God has allowed me to do many, many things in this world. It was because of grace that God allowed me to lead my grandmother to the Lord. It's because of grace that God has allowed me to lead countless others to the Lord over the years that I've been preaching and, and serving Him. And listen, dear friend, grace is necessary today. Grace is necessary because there's an evil in our world today. And the evil is the devil. And the devil is trying to stop people from serving Him. He doesn't care, dear friend, if lost people are out there doing crazy, sinful things. But Christians, He's trying to stop you from sharing that beautiful grace with someone in your family. Preacher, they don't want to hear me. They don't want to hear anything I have to say when I talk to them about church or, or coming to church or getting saved. They just push me off. You need to just keep talking to them, friend. My grandmother that I led to the Lord, her husband, my grandfather, I witnessed to him after I got saved. I witnessed over and over and over to him. I did not get to lead my grandfather to the Lord. His pastor did two weeks before he died. He died in the hospital. Grandpa had two open heart surgeries, was needing another open heart surgery, was in the hospital, in the Veterans Hospital in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And while he was in the hospital, he found out that he had colon cancer. He did not die from heart trouble. He died from the colon cancer. And two weeks before he died, his pastor came up. A pastor of a church that he had not been to in 50 years. to believe, grace to accept and it's so necessary today because of the fact that that there's such an evil world today and there are so many people out there so many different religions out there that are telling you that you do not need grace but I'm here to tell you dear friends the Bible is true and you do need grace what does grace do for us then preacher what does it do number one grace brings salvation Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8, he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3 says, For what saith the Scriptures? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham believed because of his faith, and because of his faith he was justified, dear friends. So did Noah. He believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. So did Jeremiah. Jeremiah believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So did Isaiah. Isaiah believed God and, and he was saved. Other great preachers in this world had believed in God and they were saved and it was counted unto them for righteousness. And so forth and so on. 
And many here in this church, you believed God and you trusted him for your righteousness because you realized that your righteousness was as filthy rags, that nothing you could do to ever get you to heaven. And maybe you tried. I tried. In those 15 and a half years before I got saved, I tried everything I could do to get myself to go to heaven. I sat in a church listening to preachers Sunday after Sunday thinking to myself, how can I go to heaven? How can I go to heaven and still do the things that I want to do? And the things that I want to do were sinful. And God showed me there was no way to do that. The only way to be saved was to accept him and accept his grace. So what can grace do for us? Grace can save us. Not only does it save us, but it also brings us into a good standing before God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 states this, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, when we get saved, that grace that was applied to our lives brings us at peace with God. God and I today, we're not at odds. I'm at peace with God. I know one day I'm going home to be with God in heaven. I'm not afraid to lay my head on my pillow at night. I'm not afraid of death. I like Pastor when he was uh, teaching uh, this morning in the Sunday school lesson and he mentioned the fact that, you know, he's ready to go and, and, and all these things. I like that him also. Because I know, dear friends, that God is there for me. And God has given me that strength. He's given me that stability in my life. And I have that standing before God. I know I'm at peace with God today. You say, preacher, what about sin? Well, every time I commit a sin, God reminds me through his Holy Spirit that I must put that under the blood. I must put that under the blood and get it right. And grace then is applied in my life. And God forgives me. Just like that. You say, preacher, is that easy? Yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. It really is just that easy. And then thirdly, grace brings to us a holy reconciliation. Our reconciliation with God was broken in the Garden of Eden. I told you earlier that God created man so that God could fellowship with man. And as he was wanting to talk with man and do things with man and just enjoy his creation and, and, and his creation and enjoy God and have that, that relationship, that fellowship that, that should have been there, then their sin caused them to disobey God. And because they disobeyed God, and that sin caused them to be cast out of the Garden of Eden. Now they were not in reconciliation with God. They were not there in fellowship with Him. And they 
some time ago you raised your hand and and in a, in a group of people and you felt a little emotional and maybe you thought you got saved then but from that time to this time you've not really believed or you've not really trusted in God and you really don't have that grace that's applied to your life I'm asking you today dear friends to to make that commitment to God to really make that commitment and really ask him into your heart and believe and trust him to be saved so that you can know for sure you're going to heaven but that's not the only reason you should be saved just so you can go to heaven you should be saved because God is seeking you he came to seek and save that which is lost and he wants you to be saved so today as God says in his word Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we yield our hearts unto God and let grace be applied. And as the, the old preacher man who was the barber told the man as he came, once shaved, always shaved, well, God says unto us, once saved, always saved. You will not lose that salvation. So I'm asking you today, you think about that. In a moment, I'm going to ask you all to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you would, go ahead and do that. As hard as it is, as it is in our life to do things, God wants us to always be ready. Are you ready to to go to heaven? Are you ready to go to heaven? You see, if you're ready to go to heaven, that means you have truly been saved. And daily, daily you repent of your sins and you do things to get right with God. And maybe you're not saved. Maybe you don't know for sure right now that you're going to heaven. I'm going to ask you to come to this altar. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to ask you to accept Christ. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne of grace, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Father, for your peace and the compassion that you place into our hearts and our lives each and every single day. I ask you, Lord, today that you might take charge. Lord, do a work here in this church. Do a work, Father, with each and every individual that's here. Help them, Lord. Help those that are lost to come to contrition in their lives, to see their sin, their wicked ways, their, their need for salvation, their need for grace. And I ask you, Lord, that if there are those in our church that are saved and, Father, they've walked away from you, I pray, Father, that today would be that day that they would fall out of love with Satan and fall in love with you. Help them, Lord, to make that decision. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Now with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed. Sister Reggie is going to come. Sister Crystal is going to start playing. Mother the song that they picked out. And I want you to think about this, dear friends. God has given you an opportunity right now to step out of the pews. To act on that belief. To act on the faith that I mentioned earlier. And let grace be applied to your life. Five hundred and
Jesus, I...